The Crossum Wrestling Entertainment Podcast presented by Clovercrest Media is what UAW fans have been looking for. Noah Cross and Tyler Bard give their take on every week's episode of Dynamite. If you are a massive AEW fan, then it is time to join us every Sunday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Stay Crossum. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Throwing Jabs Combat Sports Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Big Jace, joined by my man, Jared Jones and Joe Aguirre. We got a lot to talk about. Big fight night last week, we got a recap, as well as a fun little like, test. Both you, Joe, and Jared, your combat sports knowledge and the who you got this week. And then we got a decent amount of fights. To uh, preview as well as some that uh, dropped. But uh, let's start off with recapping the co-main event from last week as Corey Sanhagen flying knee to the chin of Frankie Edgar in the first round. Joe, what did you think of the fight? Well, first and foremost, uh, Frankie Edgar post-fight didn't know where he was, who he was, who he had fought, when it had happened, how long he'd been prepping for the fight. And this is not the first time where he's been completely knocked like on to the point where he doesn't know what's going on. And and I hate to say this because I'm a big Frankie Edgar fan, but I think he might seriously have to consider hanging them up. Uh, it, it That sounds like brain damage. And and it's getting worse for for Frankie, a, a legend in in the octagon. And I'd like to see this guy be able to enjoy his retirement to the fullest. He thought it was September when they asked him what day it was. Uh, as for Sanhagen, this guy is a beast because uh, and this is kind of out of nowhere for me. I mean, early in his career, he wasn't this lethal. Um, uh-huh. I, my assumption is he wants another crack at Sterling. Their first matchup went extremely poorly for Sanhagen. Uh, Sterling has basically said my plan would be to try to choke him out again fast. Um, so I, I suspect that that would be the uh, the game plan going in. Uh, I think Jan is the better fighter between Sterling and himself, but I think the better matchup for Sanhagen uh, is Jan. I'm sure he knows that. Jan is shorter. Sterling uh, and Sanhagen are both sort of the tall, lanky types. Um, so I think he'd love that matchup uh, where he'd be able to use his size advantage over Jan. So that's who he, I think, prefer. But he's going to tell you he wants Sterling. I don't know if that's the right matchup for him, though. Um, I, I, this was this was hard for me to see. Um. I I was really hoping that one more time we'd get to see the Frankie Edgar we fell in love with. Um and I'm I'm totally on board with you Joe this should be it. I wanted to see this fight. I got up for the fight again for Frankie Edgar. Big fan. Um that's I won't do that again. And I don't mean pick him to win. I mean be excited to watch him fight. Uh, the same can be said of Overeem. I'm done get being excited watching them fight. I think what they're doing is dangerous to them as human beings, no matter how much I enjoy it as a fight fan. 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. And the one big thing, I I, I do agree. I, I hope this is the end for Frankie Edgar because I, I can't see him go, go through this again. But also, like, looking back at Frankie Edgar's career, one thing the past couple years, his uh, coach, uh, Mark Henry, kept saying, hey, this while I was at featherweight, hey, I, I think you need to go down. Hey, I think you need to go down. And, I mean, bantamweight was wide open. It was pretty wide open at the time. I mean, he had some good fights, money fights, like a TJ Dillashaw, a, a Dominic Cruz. But I, I don't know why he kept trying to stick around at featherweight. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this is just too little, too late, trying to go down, trying to figure out where he fits in. And, realistically, he doesn't fit in anywhere in the UFC. And it's time to hang him up. Uh, unless he, unless their UFC opens up like a legends league and he could fight, uh, I, I don't know. And is that else. safe though? I mean, I no. see what they're doing. I like the idea, but you're talking about guys that are already in that category, boxing against each other. I don't like it at all. No, unless yeah. They have Work in the corner. Scrub scrap situation, and they never boxed before, and they're both 40, 50 years old, and they're getting in a safer version of it. But, uh, I don't even want to see that. I wouldn't be excited about 50-year-old Frankie Edgar coming back for a Legends League fight against BJ Penn. I don't I don't because as a fan I like to see it. I like the guys, it would be fun. But as a human being that's been in there before and know what those shots feel like long term, too much mileage, man. The Legends are a that's a bad idea. I just I don't like it personally. Okay. Uh, and we're trying to get kids out of football. We're trying to get little Seven, eight, no, nine, you're right. year old kids out of football, and you're telling me we can't pull 60-year-olds out of boxing. We've got a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. But, uh, I mean, it, it really sucks. It, it's like, it, for, for Frankie Edgar, this is like an Anderson Silva kind of farewell. Like, he, I mean, you were at the top, and then you slowly – Slowly went down, and now it's just going down, down, down. You know I, what I, I when I call that the Elvis effect. I like it I like when it. I when, when I first went out. It wasn't pretty. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I I've always top, said but... I've always said you know uh, there were there were two moments in in MMA where I felt terrible. Uh, one was when Dana White announced Anderson Silva was done fighting in MMA or UFC and was welcome to go elsewhere to do it. I mean, that's not how you want to see a legend go out. And the same thing with Chuck Liddell, who just suddenly started getting knocked out by anybody with a hand. Um, I, I don't want to see that anymore. I, 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 I don't, I don't want to see legends getting dragged away. I, I think that's horrible. Uh, and, and, We'll we'll obviously talk about over him in a minute, but I mean, somebody in Frankie Edgar's family needs to be like, bro, <laughs> mm. we want you to be here when you're 48, 55, 60, and at at the rate you're going, that doesn't seem like even if you're physically with us, that maybe mentally you won't be. Great career, legendary career. I I, I don't know I don't know if if this is a where where a sanctioning body needs to get involved and and tell these guys and and thorough medical reviews, but I mean you know we talked about Overeem just last weekend and the the seventeen knockouts, 
And I think there were an additional four knockouts in kickboxing or, or something to that effect. Yeah. That's a lot of knockouts. That's a lot of neurological damage. And at, at what point, you know, at what point do you step in and say something? Or, or at what point are you just like, well, that guy could do whatever he wants. You know, I mean, I, I'm here in Tyson Holyfield. Don't don't think I'm excited for that one at all. Not not mm-hmm. after watching Jones and uh, and Tyson. Um, I I don't want to see. I don't. I, I my fear is that these guys, uh, somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to get yeah. hurt really badly. Well, and and and, and, and that's when people are going to want to do something. It'll be way too late. You can't convince us we're not getting stronger. I think that's the problem with fighters is they don't understand the physics of your chin and your brain and your kidneys because when you punch something, your wrist gets stronger, your arm gets stronger, your forearm, your shoulder, your, the bones inside you, the holes in the bones inside of your hand slowly close up and everything gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And you think when you stick your chin out there because you've got a good chin and you take a few, they're getting stronger. Your brain doesn't work like that. Your chin doesn't work like that. These guys are so used to every other part of their body getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Once the lights get turned out, it's going to happen easier next time. And there's less to go around upstairs. Yeah. So I think they get confused with that impact makes them stronger, stronger, stronger. Ali found out he could take a punch and he was like, watch how strong my brain gets. And I think we all saw how strong his brain got. Excuse me. Yeah, and I mean, also, this is where the, the this is it's an individual sport. When it comes down to it, if a guy like Overeem gets knocked out and his coaches are like, "Hey, I think he's hanging it up. I think it's time," and Overeem doesn't agree with that, he can just go to another gym. If you're in football and you get benched, you you can demand a trade. But I mean, well, that's, that's up I to other people. Doctor. There's a, there's a doctor, I'll have to look it up, but he actually like has built a makeshift mileage counter for fighters. And if you start using that, people like Frankie Edgar and Alexander Overeem are going to be at the top of the list of people like, hey, look at the miles you have. This doesn't make sense anymore. The lights, the fans, the money, man, you are going to live in darkness in your later years for the lights you are experiencing today. Hang it up, my friend. It'd be nice to see Dana get these guys some kind of administrative positions within the sport where they're yes. helping out, making a difference. Look at Hardy and Bisbing. I mean, you know, good for them. That's what Tony um, just commented. No, like, that, great, great point. That's what yeah. Dana did originally with uh, Chuck Liddell. And then once uh, they sold it to um, – the, the, when the Fertitta sold it to WME – uh, they let him go, and then that's where he went off the rails and ended up fighting Tito again. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I do like that. Um, I mean, even look at, like, the WWE. Like, they realize, hey, like, guys like uh, – and there was a time where Matt Hardy uh, and other guys, when they get done and Vince McMahon goes, hey, I, I don't think he you, – you're not the guy you used to be. He will bring them in and get them into production and that stuff. So I, I think you do need to do that with uh, some fighters. I mean, we, we talked about Paul Felder. Uh, we, we've spoken about Paul Felder a couple times on the show about how he's kind of like halfway in, halfway out. 
because he's got a great job announcing, but he still has that that uh, ability to fight. But uh, well, let's move on to the main event. Now, Joe, I mean, I was the only one that picked over him. I mean, you guys all picked, said that, uh, saw this coming. And, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, Joe, what do you think of the fight, and where do you think Volkov fits into the whole heavyweight title picture? Well, I did say second-round knockout, uh, so yeah. I'm very proud of myself. Again, a big win for Volkov. Um, you know, one of Stipe Miocic's loss was to Steven Struve, uh, a guy who Volkov absolutely annihilated. Don't forget, and I mentioned this last week, you know, he lost to Derek Lewis in a fight he was dominating with 11 seconds to go. Shouldn't have got clipped there. He's better conditioned. He's got more stamina. Uh, and he fights a, a more controlled fight than Francis Ngannou. So an Ngannou matchup, if he survives early, I think he has to clear advantage like Stipe did in their matchup. The only guy I think that's a real problem for him is Curtis Blades, who uh, in their fight took Volkov down 10 times. It was a decision win. Uh, and, and Blades wasn't going to throw hands with Drago. I, I, I wouldn't recommend that uh, with a lot of guys. Uh, but it, to me, this goes to show how underrated Volkov has been this entire time. Um, yeah. I think he's definitely a player. And, you know, he's obviously got an opportunity here to, to move up a little bit closer. And, and I think we'll eventually get his title shot. As for Overeem, yes, I think he needs to join Frankie Edgar in retirement. It's been a great career. He's been uh, a legend in the sport and and a ton of fun to watch. But I, I, I really... I just can't watch this guy get knocked out again. I really can't. It's uh, I don't enjoy it. You know, uh, I, I it, it feels like a relative getting a ten. I'm like, oh no, you know, um, I, it, it's concerning. So, but yeah, I I think Volkov, uh, uh, you know, he's he's been he's been around the top for a while. You know, I think yeah. definitely when you look at these guys after Stipe and Ganu again, like. Let's see where we're at. But I, I, I like Volkov. I, I think uh I do think Stipe's height might be an ish for him. Um, but could be a fight down the road. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like this guy at the upper echelon of that division. I think Stipe and Ngano, I think uh he has gotten better though. I agree with you. This is a really underrated guy you haven't heard enough about. Um and I'm done watching Overeem fight. I'm done getting excited about it. I mean, if he fights again, I might watch, but I won't be excited about it. There's that piece of me. It's like when your guy is winning a fight, the guy you pick, maybe it's the guy you know from the gym and he's winning, but he's beating the other guy so severely that you're still like begging for the ref to stop the fight, you know, knee on your knees in front of the TV, like somebody get this guy out of there and save him from himself. You know, there comes a certain point where no matter how much you want to see it, no matter how much you want the guy to, to win, if unless you're a sociopath, like Joe says, you get to a point where you want to, you're, the human being comes out of you. And you realize it's not just a fight fan where you're watching a cartoon or something and, and, and Bugs is going to get up and run away when they're done. You know, and the human being comes out of you and you say, this is, you know, enough is enough. I think we all draw that line at different places. But for me, Frankie Edgar, Alexander Overeem, those are the, the line has been drawn. And uh, I won't be excited about your fights in the future. I'll be concerned 
about your uh, your older years. Yeah, to me, this fight was a passing of the torch fight for the gatekeeper. Over him, if you beat over him, you deserve the title shot. Now, I think Volkov's on that level. I don't think he's that good to necessarily. He might get a title shot down the line. He's not good to be a title, uh, be a title, be a champion. But he is that guy where if you beat him, he's he's damn good. So uh, if you beat him, I think you deserve a title shot. Do you agree with that, Jared? Yeah, I'll ride with that all day. I, I a passing of the torch for the gatekeeper. I've never really heard that before. <laughs> but if it doesn't fit here, I, I, it doesn't fit because this that's exactly those top two or three guys. I don't think he can be really competitive. But anybody who beats him deserves to fight one of those top three guys for sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's also at, in an interview with uh, I think it was Brett Okamoto, Dana White announced that the winner of Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou will face off against John Bones Jones. So, I mean, that's another person who's hopping the line and uh, getting ahead of Volkov, which I don't think Volkov, it would be a great fight with him and Jones, but I, I do think Jones is better. Definitely. Well, so this, that also begs the question, what, what happens to John Jones between now and that fight and then four or five, six months of, of training – and healing to get when is John Jones going to fight again? Yeah. Are, are we going to go two years without a John Bones Jones fight while he sits there and waits for it? I mean, are you serious? The is this is this really Dana's out. game plan? Because it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look, if Miocic wins the rematch, he <laughs> is the, the the past. I don't even remember. Every it, he is fighting at a pace of one fight a year, so like you said, that'd be it. He has this fight with Ngannou, and then we'd have to wait a whole another year for him and Jones. Yeah, I don't like that. But I mean, that's a whole different topic for another day. But that, those were last week's fights. Now let's get on. Let's have some fun. Because for the who you got this week, it will be Joe versus Jared. In throwing jabs trivia. What a great name of this segment, the throwing jabs trivia. I could see you spent all night working on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, uh, this is the pilot, right? <laughs> uh, I, I spent I spent a lot of time on these questions, so I'm sure you did. I'm I feel sure like I feel sense. like. I feel like on his sweatshirt at the bottom of the logo, it says oh, sweatshirt. Oh, you, can't, yeah. you can't see the lettering at the bottom, <laughs> but I think it's there. Yeah. Hoodie. Uh, is that what it says? Hoodie. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's feel, do that. I kind of feel like I'm in a lose-lose situation here, though. At least at least for question one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go, though. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's get into the rules, though. Um Joe, Jared versus Joe. Three rounds each. Each round consists of one question per person. If you miss the question, the opponent has a chance to steal. Round one will be boxing. Round two will be MMA. Round three, wild card round, it's combat sports movies. Um, we're going to have Joe go first here, okay? Why don't Starting I go off. first? I don't know. Why, why are you complaining? Fine. You want, <laughs> you want to do rock, paper, scissors? 
Well, okay. let's just do it. All I'll right. go first. That's fine. Round one, boxing. Now, both of these questions are going to be very similar. I'm going to give you three fights from a trilogy, and you got to tell me what trilogy that is. So bout one was a 12-round unanimous decision for the WBA, WBC, and IBF heavyweight titles. Uh, bout two, 12-round majority decision for the WBA and IBF heavyweight titles. Bout three, an eight-round TKO, no belts on the line. What trilogy were these two? What? Who were the two fighters in this trilogy? I think this is, I want to say, Holyfield. Did he? I'm trying to remember if he fought a trilogy. Uh, I think this is Bowen Holyfield. Is this? Did they fight? I don't remember if they fought a trilogy or not, which is why I don't want to sound like an idiot. I'm going to say Bowen Holyfield, but God. Is that your final it's answer? Holy, I know this is Holyfield and somebody <laughs> is my thought. I'm going to say I'm going to say it's Riddick Bow. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, there we go, Joe. Good job. All right. Joe. All right. Oh. I'm sitting there, there when you said Bo. I'm like, oh, he took my answer. That's what I would have said. <laughs> All right. Well Four. done. Way to walk your way through it, John. Right. It wasn't one. sure. You know, again, I was like, I remember the first fight. I remember the second one. I'm like, did they fight a third? They did fight a third. Okay. Honestly, I, I wouldn't have remembered. Thank you. I wouldn't have remembered it was uh that it was an eighth round uh, TK. I don't I don't actually remember that. So just to be open and honest here, I really talked my way through it. This is yeah. tough. Yeah. <laughs> I'm intimidated right, now because I had that one. All right. You ready for this one, Jared? You ready yeah, for your buddy. question? Same question. Here are the three bouts. A 12-round split decision for the NABF heavyweight title. Another 12-round split decision for the NABF heavyweight title. And a 12-round unanimous decision for the WBA WBC and lineal heavyweight titles. Yikes. NABF, huh? WBC and lineal. Hmm. All this seems. Jared, I, I I don't want to help you out here, but is, is this an older reference? I'm thinking. Um, it ha it it has to be a little bit older, but not too right? old. Because lineal didn't become all those other things right away. NABF heavyweight and and uh. Oh. You want a hint? That's not really a hint. Bout three also was part of the. There was also the ring heavyweight title on the line. It's not not really a hint, but there you go. Oh. Wow! All right, Jared. I need an answer. Five, four, three. Oh, two. I want to say Lennox Lewis. And I need to – time's up. I'm sorry, Jared. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Joe? Uh, 
this uh, Lennox Lewis and Razor Ruddick? That's what I'd have said if you forced my hand, but that's, that's not it. Oh, I don't think they fought a trilogy either, though. No. Going into round two, Joe with the one zero lead. Muhammad Ali. Ah, I see. Ben I was going to say. I thought that had to be like some seventies era stuff there. Wow. But again, wow. I'm not sure. I I'm not sure I knew these guys had a trilogy. I thought they only fought twice. Yeah, Norton won one of those split decisions. <laughs> yeah, but I just oh, said boy, twice really too. If them. you ask me, how many times they fought? I yeah, I, I mean, again, I'm like, uh, as I try to run back all the the trilogies, like you know, the ones that that are really great are the ones you definitely remember. Some of these other ones, I'm like, wait, did they find a third time? They probably yeah. did. And in some of them, I think I was so uninterested in the third fight that it makes it um kind of hard to remember. Tough to tough to do three of them. Yeah, go, hey, down one nothing, going out of boxing. This doesn't look good. Yeah, all right, but I mean, there's still more. Start, oh, yeah. Starting off round two, Joe, you're up first in MMA. Which one of these UFC champions has not had a crossover to WWE slash WWF? Dan Severn, Brock Lesnar, Cain Velasquez, or Daniel Cormier? Which one of these right. UFC champions has not had a crossover to WWE slash WWF? Obviously, Brock Lesnar was in both. I think I remember seeing Kane Velasquez do some wrestling. So it's either Severn or Cormier. And I feel like I'm a big enough Cormier fan that if I had seen it, if it had happened, I would have seen it. So I'm going to say that Daniel Cormier has not had a crossover. Ding, ding, ding. You oh, are come correct. On! He was in talks to be a commentator for WWE when they when SmackDown switched all. over to Fox, but they were unable to get the deal done. All right, Jared, you need to get on the board here. Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Round two. Similar style question. Which one of these former UFC champions has not had a role in a movie that came out in theaters? Not had a credited role. In a movie that came out in theaters, Chuck Liddell, George St. Pierre, John Jones, or Max Holloway? What? <laughs> what? Oh, come on. I know this isn't Liddell. I feel like it's not Holloway either. Man, could it really be John Jones, though? Yeah, I'm going to try John Jones. Jared, you're on the board. Hey. John Jones. <laughs> Joe, would you have gotten that? No, I didn't. Honest to God, I thought this was a trick question. Uh, have any of them been in a I don't know. I don't think I um, – What did Chuck oh, Liddell play was Piper? How high? Was yeah, he no. – was, did he uh, – was he in um, – uh, oh, God. Uh, he could have played Seabass in Dumb and Dumber 2. <laughs> Kick his ass, Seabass. Yeah, he would have been perfect for that role. I'm uh, assuming George's St. Pierre was in something Canadian. I would, uh, I would he was actually that. Captain America Winter Soldier. See, this is why I should start watching superhero shit. I definitely <laughs> gotta Yeah, I would not have known that. Right. I, I would have guessed Max Holloway simply because he's 
less Den of Thieves. famous. Den of Thieves. That's what. Okay, I, I, I forgot that. the name. It was yeah. him and like Fifty Cent, right? Jeez, oh, I gotta watch more movies. All right. Oh, great. And yeah. this is the combat sports yeah, movie buddy. category. I hope this is a question about Rocky, because if it's not, I could be in some trouble. Come from behind late <laughs> knockout, kid. <laughs> All right. Both these questions, similar thing. I'm going to give you the top three highest build actors in the movie, and you're going to tell me which combat sports movie it is. Joe, your question yep. is. Name the movie, Joel Edgerton, Tom Hardy, and Nick Nolte. This is a combat sports movie. Jeez, oh, Nick Nolte. Let me tap into my Nick Nolte knowledge. How any is this? This a recent? Is this a recent piece, or is this something that's? All of these are both of these are recent. Uh, after 2000, that'll be a hint. That's a hint for both of you. Let me go through my flipping through some movies here. Hmm. I'm seeing it. You have no idea either, Jared. I don't think so, no. Yeah, I'm gonna uh I'm gonna pass to Jared. All right, Jared. You got anything? This is an old Nick Nolte then, huh? It was after two thousand. That's the only hint I give. Fighter? Oh, so close. Warrior? It was oh, Warrior. Son of a bitch. Oh, I do remember that. I remember that because of that. Oh, God. Uh, Dude, as soon as he said fighter, it like clicked. Warrior. No, oh. I always get those two movies mixed up. Was, I yeah, love that. That was, a, that, was a, that was a heck of a brain fart right there, boy. <laughs> yep. All right, Jared. You can tie it up. All right. With this, Jake Gyllenhaal, Rachel oh, McAdams, and Forrest Whitaker. Yep, hey. yep, so we both had my last and your first, Joe. So, so a tie is uh, yep, two to two. Did we tie? Is that a tie? Yes, yeah, I made a tie. Oh, that's awesome. What do we get? Um, <laughs> their prize. A round of applause. Oh, so wait, I'm all sweaty now? I'm all sweaty from this, and I don't, there's nothing to even get from this? What, what is that? You didn't have a tiebreaker? No, uh, I, I, that's unbelievable. Oh, I, come on. <laughs> you don't have a tiebreaker, do you? I do not have a tiebreaker. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen here, Jace? You Honestly, I, I thought... Out? Yes. Really nothing me. He did. He thought I was going to get blown out of here. <laughs> Thank I'm, you. Honest, I'm pretty disappointed, Jared, for not getting uh, the Muhammad Ali and Ken Norton. Was. For Do him you... to get box, to come out of boxing one nothing, and we're done with the boxing questions, I, man, I, 
I didn't feel I didn't feel comfy right then. I wasn't feeling real confident. Jared, before you jumped on, we, we were doing a little pre-show meeting, dude. He was like, yeah, Jared knows it all, man. I was like, come on, dude. You're like not even on the call yet. You're like rooting for him already. No, no, I didn't say that. Jared just pulls random names out of his ass. He's like, Jared's the best. There's You'll never much, beat Jared. Seven and three in amateur career. And now he's, he's like, like this Jared, he goes, You'll never beat Jared. I don't even come up with a tiebreaker question. Won't need it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, okay. But now, <laughs> that was awesome. That was fun. We got to do that again. That was fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. that was fun. All right, but I'm a tiebreaker for next time. I, I will, I will, I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's start it off. Let's start off the recap. Jojo Joseph Joseph Jojo Diaz misses weight for his fight with Shavakatzan uh, Rakimov. Uh, the fight's still on. Diaz will not be able to win the belt. Um, Rakahimov can if he wins. Um, Jared, I mean, I, I know you've talked a lot about the only way a fighter can, should be able to lose the belt outside of the ring is on the scale. Um, how do you feel about Diaz? Uh, Diaz's lack of discipline here. Don't push the glider so hard. You'll rock him off. Um, so I don't think missing weight, man, is a real pet peeve of mine. We had a guy in the UFC do it by almost four pounds yesterday and, or no, no, excuse me. This guy missed by almost four pounds. The UFC guy, uh, Bobby green weighed in, walked back, dehydrated himself to make weight, walked into the back locker room lost consciousness and they canceled the fight now i know right now at 42 years old i haven't weighed in in about 12 years for anything but if i get on a scale and do some math i will tell you what weight i can comfortably and make without jeopardizing my health you guys should be in weight classes where you can comfortably make a weight and not jeopardize your health. I'm not going to sign a fight for 158 because if I try to make 158 right now, maybe I could, but I would hurt myself. It would be an unhealthy weight cut. So you're already making an unhealthy weight cut and then you miss by four pounds. So the worst one was Floyd Mayweather fighting Marquez and you're fighting a smaller guy. Uh, he lives smaller. He's built smaller than you. And you come in like eight pounds overweight and pay the fine. So this is either the guy not caring or the guy trying to get into a bracket that doesn't really fit him. But if we just keep going on with these fights and these, uh, you know, that fine for Floyd Mayweather was nothing. It's like, okay, I can have eight pounds and be, you know, $100,000 lighter or be eight pounds lighter and have that. Well, bump that hundred grand. This is a fight. I'll take the eight pounds. So this is this is one of my, I mean, I hope you lose now, Diaz. I may have been rooting for you yesterday, but I'm not anymore. I wasn't enough of a fan for you to get get away with missing weight and have me still still root for you. This 
That's bad, dude. You're a professional athlete. Thurman Thomas showing up without his helmet. Like, what are we doing here? You're a professional athlete. Make weight. Be ready for your fight. If you're not, move up a weight class. Uh, Jace's hero, Anthony Johnson, uh, showed up 11 pounds overweight on more than one occasion. So, yeah, I, I, I absolutely hate this. Uh, I think part of JoJo's problem uh, is that his dad is in his corner. And I think sometimes when that happens, either your dad's a lunatic and you're very regimented or your dad's your best buddy and you do whatever the F you want. And I think when it comes to Jojo Diaz, I think it's it's more that situation. Um, I, I, I do like this kid a lot. I, I love the way he punches. He's, he's got that uh, where he he throws his backhand <laughs> fist first and then. Uh, follows that with the lead. You see Dustin Poirier do it very unorthodox. And as a lefty, uh, you know, it's one of the, it's one of those things. It, it just really throws people off. Uh, his fight with um, uh, Tevin Farmer, when he, you guys saw that, that gash over his eye and, and he, it was an inadvertent head, but dude, he, he, I, I mean, I, I can't even imagine, like I, I have a problem with skin, uh, tearing, I it, it freaks me. It freaks me out. Uh, if you haven't seen the picture of it, it looked like a mouth over his eye. It was absolutely disgusting. This kid's got heart, but again, he, how are you going to miss weight for a fight? I, I I just don't get it. Uh, as for Shavkat Rakamov, fifteen and 0, 12 KOs, nobody on the resume, an absolute banger. Jared, you, you, this is your kind of guy, very aggressive, cuts off the ring, uh, works the body, really good with the combos. Uh, it can be a little one-dimensional. Sometimes he relies too much on that left cross. Um, my my thought, this fight, Diaz probably dominates him. I just think he's a better fighter. My thought was 12 rounds decision uh, for Diaz. Uh, but what a clown. I mean, what an absolute clown, dude. Take it serious. Hire a nutritionist. Yeah. Something. Do, do, I, do you guys know De, uh, Deontay Wilder didn't have a cut man for his second fight with Tyson Fury? You know that? Didn't have a cut man. That's you know why? Didn't need one. That's what he thought. Wouldn't need one. I mean, what? I mean, how who, is he supposed hold on. to know who in Tyson your corner is like, well, you know, maybe we should just, you know, just in case this is the kind of like idiotic where where these fighters, guys who get punched in the face and in the head over and over again are making really big decisions that that are impactful on their performance. And it's all based on machismo. And not on any actual training or thought. I was just reading where Mark Breland was saying he didn't even have Deontay Wilder's phone number anymore. Oh, everything had to had to go through his gang. How idiotic is that? Mm-hmm. He didn't want to learn that. He didn't want to work on the jab. I'm just gonna knock him out. Okay, here we go. I'm telling you right now. The the days of the of the custom mottos of of those guys who changed your life and took over your life and 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 uh, again i mean you guys could do whatever they want but waste what an absolute waste 
Yeah. Well, and you you touched on it earlier. I would never train either one of my kids. My kids decide they're going to be fighters. I mean, I'll work with them when they're young. I'll walk them all the way up into the game, maybe some of their amateur career. But sooner or later, I'm not an objective observer that knows when to stop the fight. Like you said, I'm either a psychopath that thinks they can take more than they can actually take, or I'm scared too quick and get them out of there. I'll never forget Diego Corrales and Floyd Mayweather. After the sixth time he got knocked over, his dad said enough is enough. And he was like, this was the plan, dad. I get knocked out a bunch of times and I knock him out late. This is what we talked about. Both of them crying. I'm not, uh-uh, uh-uh. And you guys can go back and watch the video of me and my daughter or me and my son over and over again where I threw the towel in and then we had that discrepancy where, where Trent's throwing the towel back at me and said, nope. No, no, no. I need to trust someone else, uh, a John Scully type trainer that I trust, that I would give my child to, and trust them to make that decision on when they've taken too much punishment. Because parents aren't good at that. We've seen it over and over. Danny Garcia, Diego Corrales, JoJo here, every one of them. It's it's not a good plan. It's not going to work out because you're either going to try to protect them or you're not going to protect them. I was talking to a trainer the other day who a father came into his facility and was like, why, why is my kid still working on one twos? And he said something like, you're 20 minutes late. You're only here this so that you can cheat on your wife. And I'm not trying to fill up deficiencies for you as a parent. Okay, your non-athletic kid will get his blue belt when he earns his blue belt and move past one twos when he moved past one twos. You're coming in here 20 minutes late and questioning the job I'm doing with your child? Wake up. That's, that's not what I'm here for. You know, I have to make an honest assessment of what this kid's doing, and parents aren't capable of that. Why is my kid still working on that? Because that's the step he's on, dude. I've done this 500 times, and you've seen it once. Don't come in here and tell me what step they're supposed to be on. You either think your kid's better or worse than they really are, but can't see them how I see them. And that's what they need. Because when you're your kid through that too, and I said, wow, Tommy, you're really turning that back foot over good. You're really getting that heel up good. And he said, really, Sensei, am I? Am I doing good? Made the kids whole day to find out he had done something right. And here's dad, who he doesn't get that from, or he wouldn't have reacted like that if he did. Trying to question that step that I'm on. It's a good step. It's a good step for the kids. So I know from seeing it over and over and over again, from the top of the game to the bottom of the game, I can't be my kid's trainer if they're a professional fighter. I'm not capable of objectivity, and I don't think any parent is. You're right, Joe. This is a problem. You know, Justin Gaethje balloons up to 185 between fights. <laughs> I mean, w like, what? Miguel Why? Close, close to 30 pounds for his fights. Do you know Kelvin Gastelum had to promise Dana he wouldn't fight under 170 because he missed weight so many times? I mean, it, it, it's like, are you? do you take your career seriously or not? Because, and again, I... You've, you've, you've got some money. You can hire a staff. I mean, if, if your weight is an issue, you can bring a trainer in. Maybe start cutting weight, you know, a little bit sooner. There, there's a lot of ways to, there's a lot of ways to handle this. And, and it, it's a growing problem. 
I'm kind of I'm kind of glad they did that to Diaz. I think I think that should become the standard now across the sport. Yeah, I I don't I, I don't disagree with that. One thing I will say, UFC does I I think do a little bit better when it comes to like cutting weight because I know fight day when fight week they they have their own nutritionist there. The UFC provides fighters with nutritionists and that stuff if they need it which uh i mean obviously boxing does not which which is rough and i mean you still see people in the ufc miss weight but one thing uh joe and i were talking about this a little bit before the show like cutting weight missing weight is a form of cheating yes it's a form of cheating if i would have saw um shavcat cut weight and miss weight I, I I wouldn't be mad. I, I kind of get it. Like, okay, you, you're trying to do whatever you can. You're not cheating. You're trying. He's trying to get this win. So maybe if he does win, it, it won't, we won't get the belt. But maybe he can leverage that one win to another actual title shot. Five years from now, you'll look that up on BoxRec, and it'll say W, and you won't care that he yeah. and you won't care what happened. It'll say a win, and a win is a win is a win. Yeah, you're right. And, I mean, it, it sucks that it's the champion and he's getting his belt taken away. But, I, I mean, mean we talked it, about this I made an argument that the guys that, that are on drugs and found to use, like, taking an advantage in a sport where lives could be potentially put at risk, you should be charged. Attempted murder, assault, whatever it is. If you dip your wraps in plastic a la... Uh, Margarito or Resto before him, you know, and that guy died. Connors had permanent brain damage. He ended up dying in a car accident, but his life was never the same. You can't take a sport like that and say, oh, well, I cheated a little bit and pretend you were playing tiddlywinks or something. You like took a person's life away cheating. And that has the potential to happen when you're on steroids, when you're taking human growth hormone, when you're wrapping your wrists up in plaster, you could potentially take somebody's life away when you're playing playing a game like we're playing. When you're, you know, you can't play boxing. When you're doing a sport like this, you have to make weight and you have to play fair because lives are already at risk even when you do. Yep, you're right. And <clears throat> uh, moving on, sadly, we would have had two great, boxing bouts but the one that was going to go on espn well obviously jojo diaz misses weight that, that's one bad thing but the one that was supposed to be on espn joe smith jr versus maximum uh vaslov for the vacant wbo light heavyweight title that's the former title that canelo had um it's called off after uh volsov vlasov however you pronounce it, uh, test positive for Corona. So hopefully, or COVID, they can uh, hopefully figure that out and uh, get that going and get that uh, that WBO light heavyweight division going. But uh, other than that, we got a big, big pay-per-view. I mean, not big, but a, a, a UFC pay-per-view, to say the least. As we got Kamaru Usman versus Gilbert Burns, a fight that was supposed to happen Almost a year ago at this point is finally happening. 
Joe, what do you think of these two matching up? Uh, I love this. Uh, Kamara Usman, 33 years old, six feet tall, 76 inch reach, 17 1, seven knockouts. Um, born in Nigeria, raised in Texas. I, I hate when I hear uh, the, the fans chanting uh, USA as, it's, as if it's against him. He's, uh, he's an American, people. Um, <laughs> went 53 and 3 in high school, 44 and 1 in college as a wrestler. Uh, he missed the 2012 Olympics because of an injury. Eventually, went pro. Um, obviously, the 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 list of uh, guys he's dispatched includes Leon Edwards, Sergio Marias, Damian Maya, and Rafael uh, dos Anjos. Of course, he beat the daylights out of Tyrone Woodley. And it's funny, I had just become a big Tyrone Woodley fan. Jared, I think I told you this some time ago, and all of a sudden he was fighting this. Time to time, you start. He was attention, and then the guy fighting this. Going. Yeah, he was fighting this young buck named Marty Usman, and um, absolutely destroyed my guy Woodley and broke my heart. And that's when I learned not to get too super invested in uh, MMA because everybody loses, everybody gets knocked out. Um, the fight with Colby Covington was a slugfest for the ages. Covington's jaw got broken. That was the latest stoppage in UFC history, by the way. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. Uh, made a great trivia question, Joe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that one will surface. To... Anyway, um, he really hates Covington. He thought Covington was a little racist uh, and had said some pretty nasty things. So there was a lot of animosity. I think the Usman Burns friendship thing i i think people are blowing it out of proportion a little bit to be honest i i was reading uh just last night that burns's brother said after the fight like uzman's certainly welcome to come back to our gym i mean i i assume uh that these guys aren't going to go out there with the intent on hurting each other i just don't think there's that kind of animosity uh that said um <laughs> that said I find this fascinating. Kamaru Usman's takedown defense, Jared, is 100%. Mm -hmm. 100%. <laughs> and he's got a 47% takedown rate himself, uh, which for Burns, and these guys have spent hundreds of hours training in the gym together. Saw a great photo of Burns desperately trying to get Usman to the ground, and it doesn't look like he's making any progress whatsoever. Uh, Burns, by the way, is 34, is and that it, it his was. Uncle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Burns, you know, Burns was actually in the UFC before uh, Usman was. He was already he was already uh, uh, making bones. Uh, 5 10, 71 inch reach, 19 and 3, six KOs, eight submissions. This guy. Uh, is a second-degree black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, one of the best practitioners of it in the entire sport. I I tell you what, all of this guy's losses, though, in his career have come at lightweight. He's never lost at welterweight, which, again, good news for him. Um, I, I, the way this fight's going to go, I'm seeing a lot of leg kicks. Um I think I think Usman's going to try to corral him to the cage. That's sort of a staple to his game. I think this one goes to distance. I think Usman will defend most of the takedowns. I, I, I do think he will get taken down in this fight. I think at least one, maybe two will happen. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I just think he's going to set the tone, control the pace. Uh, you know, again, what Burns needs to do here, I think it's in his wheelhouse, but I, I think there's a reason Kamaru Usman uh, is the best welterweight in the world, and I think he wins this one, and I think it is a, a decision. What you got, Jared? Ah, oh, same thing. I agree with the fight synopsis. There you go, Joe. Uh, <laughs> Usman. Usman by decisions. Listen, Burns is a good fighter, but um, you reminded me of something I'd always say to my friend Roshan. Now, Roshan's, uh, you know, he was about a buck fifty-five, and would fight anybody I'd put in front of him. Like, would just wanted to get in there and and uh, make his stones. You know, he's five and two scrub scraps, I think. Um, great, great fighter. Uh, he's turned into something else. Um, but I always used to tell him the other guy zero. I don't care what your score is at the end of the game. If nobody lands any punches and it's a nothing-nothing tie, I'm good with that. If that other guy's number is zero, I don't care what your number is. And he fought like that was the case. He got hit very, very little. You know, he you, the, the further he went in his scrub scraps the career, the harder he was to hit. He made that a staple of his game because... At his size, I wanted that to be a staple of his game, especially if he's fighting bigger guys. I think that's what you get with Usman, is the other guys getting zero. I'm going to get what, you know, I'm going to get what I'm going to get from time to time, but the other guy's going to get zero. And when you look at the score at the end, <laughs> likelihood is I'll have more than zero. So, yeah, Usman by decision. Yeah, I mean, Usman has come out and said when he, when he uh, was on his way to the belt, he's like... Hey, I'm not the most I'm not the most spectacular guy to watch. You might not like watching me, but I'm doing everything right. I'm not getting hit. And he's not. He's taking people down, not getting taken down. He's not getting hit. I mean, he is honestly, he does kind of have a little bit of a, a, a Bud Crawford type of vibe. He's doing a lot of things really, really well when he steps foot in that octagon. But for some reason, just when it comes to the public and pop culture and everyone around him, I, I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect. You agree with that, Joe? Yes, very much so. Um, you know, I, I, I'm doing everything right is good. And and look, I mean, again, this thing, the media is trying to make this a more contentious situation than it is yeah. i mean it's very natural if you're gonna fight somebody or if you suspect you're gonna be fighting your sparring partner that one of you has to go somewhere else to train for it um i, th I think they're they're uh the head of their uh group is is sitting this one out didn't want to pick a side here um so look uh, you know he he's a really good fighter he does a lot of good things um, I think, though, you know, here's the other thing. I think people who watched the fight with Covington might have been a little confused by what Kamru Usman's all about. Uh, again, there's a reason that these two trained and sparred together for a long time. Uh, I mean, these are both really great get down on the ground kind of guys. And I think the two biggest fights of Usman's career that we all recall off the top of our heads are the Covington fight because of what a banger it was. And again, it was only a banger because he wanted to hurt Covington because he doesn't like Covington. Mm -hmm. And the other one is Woodley, who to this day, I can't explain how he got so outclassed and so thoroughly dominated. 
But Kamaru Usman is like an uh, again. I think this is going to be such a great fight. I, I I really I love the idea of these two going at it. You know, and I think when the fight is over, I think they're going to be just fine. I think there's going to be hugs and handshakes, assuming it's a, a five down, you know, uh, it comes down to decision and, and, and they're sweating it out to see who won it. I think it could be that kind of fight. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that does suck about this fight is I don't think this is going to be like a casual person's fight. Like, I, this isn't going to be a brawl. It isn't going to be bloody. It's going to be very meticulous, very thought out, very um, – it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a great fight for us because we love MMA. We understand we understand the intricacies of the wrestling aspect and everything else around in the grappling. But, like, casual fans, I don't necessarily think they're buying this pay-per-view for yeah, this fight. Know. There was a point for me where I felt like uh like I was boring. I was proud of my boringness. I grew to a point as a fighter where I was trying not to get hit and taking what was given to me and really to you know playing the angles um and turned into a and turned into a totally boring fighter. You know, not fun to watch, but I'm proud of that. I'm a jabber. I'm a counter puncher. I don't get hit a lot. Good defensive skills, good feet, and boring as hell to watch. And I like it. And I think that's what you're saying. The casual fan might not be excited here, but Usma, if you can appreciate what this guy does, Floyd gets a lot of that. Oh, he ran. Did he? In a 20 by 20 foot, 18 by 18, he ran. How far did he run? That's the other guy's fault for not being able to cut the ring off. Like, how far can you? 18 feet? <laughs> That's not a long run. You're talking about five steps here. There's not a lot of running. So if you can't appreciate the art form, I'm with Jace. This might not be the fight for you. But if you can and you're missing Usman fights, you're, you're, you're missing out on one of the greatest technicians we have right now in combat sports. Yeah, and I mean, th there are some other solved fights on this card. If you are a casual fan, I mean, you're probably going to love that Calvin Gaslam, Ian Heinish fight. Oh, real quick. Do you guys know his story? Heinish? Ian, yeah. Uh, oh, Ian yeah, Heinish, you guys know the, about being a drug runner? He was in jail in Spain. I mean, holy smoke. Ended up in Rikers Island. Yeah. And from there uh, to the Tuesday Night the Contender Series, I will point this out, though. Gastelum's got three straight losses, and, and mind you, to Adesanya, Till, and Hermanson, this is like a gift. This is a win this to get back on track. If Gastelum loses this fight, I'm, I'm not sure that he's got a, a future in MMA, or at least in the UFC. I think well, that could be uh, straight. You've got to think about it. Could be the end of the road. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with that. But then also another great fight, underrated fight, the co-main event, women's flyweight, number ten ranked Macy Barber takes on number fifteenth ranked Alexa Grasso. That's going to be a fun fight as well. But that will do it for the preview of tonight's fights. Make sure you check them out. Um, and we're gonna end the show like we always do. Jared, hit us with that flurry. Build your team.
About a week ago, I had a conversation with Chris Mesconi. Uh, we call him Dizzle. He's the VP of Scrub Scraps. He signed all the paperwork we needed for the 501c3 and wanted to know what the next step was. So I told him there's a sizable application fee and I'm going to pay it as soon as I'm able to. So he goes, there's six months, six members on the Scrub Scraps board of directors. We should split the application fee six ways unless everyone else tells you no. And if that happens, we'll split it in half. I just sent you my portion and I'm not taking it back. So at this point, I feel like I have to ask everybody else or it's not fair to him. So I begrudgingly track down another board member who, as soon as I said, there's six of us, handed me cash and said the same thing Dizzle says. If we end up the only two, let me know and we'll split it. So I'm still all sorts of uncomfortable, but I'm growing in confidence and call another member. Sent a text that said, I need to borrow your lob top, get this dollar amount from you and a signature. He didn't ask what any of it was for. The text back I got was, I'll be home after one. When I called Dizzle back to tell him the responses I was getting, he wasn't surprised. He told me when that when he sent the money, he felt like he was almost robbing me. He said, I hung up and laughed and celebrated. I considered that few bucks I sent and how lower a number it was to really be able to turn around and feel like I have buy-in for scrub scraps. I was like, that's what it cost me? And now I forever get to say I'm a part of this thing? I would have paid what you asked for a hundred times over. It was worth every penny, brother. <clears throat> Fast forward to 9.24 a.m. this past Thursday morning. I'm scheduled to be in a Zoom meeting at 10 a.m. with the upper management of my company, CSC Services. My phone rings, and it's the president of CSC, my boss, Phil. During the 23-minute conversation, he wanted to discuss with me some of the things that might come up in the meeting because they directly affected me, and he didn't want me to be blindsided. He also said he wanted me to pretend these things didn't affect me. To be objective and see if I could help with solutions, he said, I think you're really smart and I respect your opinion, so this restructure may or may not affect you in the future but we need a system that works out for everybody's best interest. And I want you to help me build it because I see you as a permanent part of what we're doing here. I thanked him and said I needed some time to come up with something, but told him how inspired I was by the way he ran his business and said that when someone in a position of authority makes you feel like your voice matters, you're able to go into the rest of your life and really believe that your voice matters. And the effect that you're having on the life of people who think their voice doesn't matter is Im immeasurable. I told him we can clear this hurdle and with our team and mentality, I don't believe there's anything we can't overcome. Phil says, agreed. Very well said. Hey, seven minutes until our Zoom starts. I said, mad love, man. I'll see you in there. You too, brother. And we hung up. As soon as I hung up the phone, it rings again. This time it's my father. Hey, son, I just wanted to ask you to call Dizzle and thank him for me. I know he never gave up on you. There were times I felt like everyone else did. Even me. I remember driving to visit you in prison and thinking that you were going to be a bank robber or some kind of master criminal because you're so smart and so talented. But at that point, I'd somehow become convinced that you would never use any of these things for good. I had given up, but I know Dizzle never did. He was always there with you. He always believed in you. And to be able to sit where I'm sitting now and watch what I'm watching now and celebrate my son the way that I've been able to in the recent years 
makes me feel like I owe him something. So at the very least, please call him and tell him I said thank you. I told my father I loved him and had a meeting and hung up the phone. And you won't believe this. As soon as I hung up the phone, it rang again. This time it's Dizzle. Just a few seconds later. So here I am, a mess. <laughs> Hello? What's up, brother? He just jumps right in. You know, I've been thinking a lot about our conversation and how my contributing actual money was making you feel. I've been thinking a lot about it, brother. And I wanted to ask you if you remember the lowest times in my life, because I do. I remember you all but picking me up and carrying me to safety. I remember you sacrificing time, money, energy. And I remember as clear as any of those things, what you told me when I asked you how I could ever repay you. You said, be happy and successful. My time, my money, my energy, when it's given to you, it's an investment in you. I don't want my time, my money, or my energy back. I want you to be successful and happy. Those things I'm sacrificing because I love you, and you pay me back with your personal happiness and success. Said when you, when you said that to me, it made me feel like my voice mattered. It made me feel a way that nobody would ever really made me feel before. So I promised myself that day I was never going to let you down. I told myself you were part of my family if I had any family at all. So don't minimize the honor and privilege it is for me to have the opportunity to be there for you and to invest in your happiness and success. And after those three calls, I mean, all I could whimper out to Dizzle was I wish you'd called me after my Zoom meeting. <laughs> so... We laughed and hung up and I clicked the link for my Zoom meeting with fluids pouring from every part of my face. And somehow this became the most comfortable part of my day. Because I was able to keep my emotions in check, but I didn't feel like I had to. I knew the people around me would be willing to make the sacrifice and hear me out if I needed that time. I was joining a Zoom meeting with coworkers, but if I needed to, them to be my friends first, they would have. Logging into a work meeting in the condition I was in and completely comfortable that the people around me were going to support me and walk through it, no matter what I was going through, whether it had anything to do with CSC services or not. So thank you, Phil, Dad, and Dizzle for the phone calls. And thank you, Dane, Chris, Lori, and James for the love of comfort I felt going into our meeting. Tears and snots and all, I felt completely comfortable with my team because that particular people that group of people is invested in my personal happiness and success. CSC Services is building something really special. CMG Network is building something really special and Scrub Scraps is building something really special. Find your Dizzle, your Dane, your Joe, your Jace, your Chris, Laurie, James. Find the people that are willing to sacrifice their self for your ultimate success and happiness and surround yourself with people like that. Surround yourself with people like that. Thanks, guys. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys yes. to the city. Keys to the city, baby. I crossed up by Kobe, we'll float in Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clover Quest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Thank you very much for that 
Flurry, Jared. Um, throwing jabs. The only combat sports podcast where you laugh, we argue, we yell at each other, and we cry. Uh, is brought to you by Clovercrest Media Group. Make sure you check out clovercrestmedia.com for a plethora of other podcasts, not just sports, political, uh, true crime, any podcast, any subject you want to listen to a podcast about, it's there. And if not, you can go there and start your own. So make sure you go to clovercrestmedia.com. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Joe, for joining me. Thank you, everyone, for listening and watching. And we hope to see you next Saturday. Make sure you enjoy tonight's fights. Take care, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event.